Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Daddy Daughter Podcast for October 20th, 2013. This is your host, Narvin Ali, and I am happy that you're listening to this. I hope you enjoyed the guitar piece in the beginning. It's uh, called Shenandoah. It's a version of it that I play uh, from an arrangement by Doug Young. Um, I enjoy playing it, and I think my daughters enjoy listening to it, although they've probably heard it a thousand times. I'm one of those dads where uh, I, I cart my guitar to the park and sit down on the bench and and practice my scales and practice playing while they're swinging on the playground, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, having their fun, but being a part of that as well. Um, music with children, I believe, is uh, being involved in their learning process is really important, and I think it's uh, important for their development. In fact, in the recent, there was a, I read a, an article that summarized the study that showed that there was a positive effect on brain development for children that were involved in music and music lessons. So if you can get your daughters uh, out there and, and learning an instrument like piano or clarinet or oboe, whatever the case may be, um, get involved in that. The other thing that it does is that it teaches children how to learn. The whole process of trying to play a piece and, and screwing it up. And then trying it again, and screwing it again, screwing it up again, and then going back and forth until you get it right. That process of learning applies to music, it applies to math, it applies to reading, it applies to, it'll, in the, if you're one of those, if you end up being a corporate person, it'll apply to learning something for your work, whatever the case may be. Learning how to learn is an important skill that will Stay with your baby girl for the rest of her life. So all the more reason, dads, to get involved in that. Learning how to learn can be frustrating. I've sat at the piano at our little keyboard with my daughters, and A, they don't want to, they didn't want to practice, or they found it too hard. And we would just, you know, we sat down in the last session that we did, just uh, practicing piano. My older daughter, she didn't want to, she didn't want to practice for one, and she was frustrated with playing the piece. I'm, we're not, she's not playing Beethoven's Fifth or anything like that. She's playing one of those pretty simple songs that requires, that challenges her. So we went through a process of, I said, okay, you know what? Those, those thin lines on the, on the music, those are, between those thin lines are bars. Let's take it one bar at a time. And we did that. And we got four or five notes per bar. We got those down. And then, we did that did the next bar and then the next bar. Then we played two bars at a time. And that whole process of practicing until you get it right um, and helping her through the emotional piece, helping her through the frustration um, ended up being a success. We, uh, we actually walked out of that situation smiling and me telling her that I was really proud that she stuck it through. And I think those experiences are important for, uh, for dads to be a part of with their, with their baby girls. My girls are also into swimming lessons. They had their second lesson uh, yesterday. And uh, swimming dads, get, if you can, if you're not already, hop in the water with your girls. It builds their confidence. Um, it helps them feel accomplished. And it's also a lot of fun. They don't know it yet, but swimming is a life-saving skill. There could be a, they could be on a canoe trip and it tips, or they could be, uh, there could be a flood. You never know. But having the assurance, having them, uh, having knowing that they they they're strong swimmers and that you've been a part of that is, is a gift that you can give them. You might save their life. So all the more reason. The instructor after the first lesson, 
said to me that, you know, your kids are confident in the water. And uh, that's that's the first hurdle. Now we can work on technique. And, and that made me feel so good. We do a lot of recreational swimming. If we've got nothing to do, I'll pay the nine bucks and go to the pool. And we'll hop in the pool and, and have some fun. They'll, do, they'll watch me do cannonballs and, and make a complete fool of myself around other people. But it uh, brings a smile to their face. And uh, at this point in my life, I'm pretty much uh, inhumiliatable as a dad. Anyways. On to the podcast. Uh, today, I want to share with you attachment theory for dads, and this will help you build a strong relationship with your daughter. I'm hoping, as it has helped me build a strong relationship with my daughters. For me, it was a benefit to learn this attachment theory. I picked up an article many years ago um, by Robert Karen on attachment. It's a pretty lengthy article. He runs through the history of it and uh, I'm not going to bore you with all the details I've I've taken it and I've 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 taken the the pieces that were relevant to my experience and I practiced it with my daughters from since they were really young uh since about uh probably 6 months old each one of them and uh, and stuck with it and I'll tell you for me it it, it free, believe it or not it freed up my time uh in our day to day to uh, to do things that I had to do, like cook or clean up or fire off an email for work or whatever the case may be. Uh, I found it liberating for me. Um, the thing with attachment theory, theory as well is that it liberates your daughters. It, it provides them with a secure base of love and attention. And with that secure base, they feel secure to go and explore the, their world. Um, and I'll tell you how I do that and on the premise that it... Uh, there's three there's three major components to it. Anyways, I am going to touch upon a little bit of the history of attachment theory because I, I do think it's relevant. Um, 1958, Harlow. If you've ever taken psychology or just Google it, you'll see that the psychologist by the name of Harlow, he had he did an experiment with monkeys. He had two monkeys, two uh, like surrogate monkeys. Um, one was made out of wire. Uh, so not very, not very cuddly and appealing. And the other one was made out of terry cloth. I guess like a towel. It's terry cloth, anyways. Um, was it invented by Terry? Anyways, terry cloth. It's warm and cuddly. And what he did is that he took some infant monkeys um, and introduced them into the uh, into the lab where there was a terry cloth monkey and a wire monkey. And what he found was that even though the wire monkey was the only one given the food, the uh, the infant monkeys would be more uh, attached to the cuddly monkey. And what that brought to awareness was that there is a uh, there is something significant about uh, warmth and affection. At least it brought some awareness to it. Mary Ainsworth uh, is where attachment theory, I think, found its roots. Uh, and she did some experiments in the 60s, and prior to this, I don't think there was any real substantive, substantive uh, work done on how parents attach to their children, humans anyways. Um, what she did was that she observed parents and young kids uh, together and then created this thing called a strange situation where she was able to um, categorize different types of attachments that children have with their um 
the children have with their parents, specifically mothers. If you can hear a little ringing in the background, it's because my cell phone's in the other room and it's going off. Uh, but anyways, I'll get to that a little later. What Ainsworth found was that depending on how the parents responded to the needs of the kids, the, their kids were either securely attached, anxiously attached, or avoidant to their parents. And I'll leave it up to you to, to look for this article. Robert Karen, it's PDF, it's free online. Um, it's a great read if you're a parent, and it really provides the roots of attachment theory um, and gives some, gives some additional information. Anyways, why? What's, what's the benefit? Securely attached children, um, just by the name alone. Oh, well, yeah, I want my, children, my child to be securely attached. Well, why? Um, subsequent studies after Ainsworth's work was, was done, as I said, it was in the 60s that she did this, um, found that two-year-olds that were classified as securely attached were more enthusiastic and persistent to performing tasks. Uh, they were more flexible um, and uh, more curious and more socially competent. They were easier, easier to get along with. They were more adaptive in social situations. Um, Unfortunately, anxiously attached kids were more frustrated, more whiny, and just academically didn't do as well. Now, I'm not saying I'm not painting every child with the same brush, but I just reading this article and just my lived experience in applying aspects of attachment uh, to my daughters, uh, I, I see the same thing. So... That's what we want to focus on. The question, the burning question is how? How does one do this? How do you accomplish secure attachment with your daughters as a dad? Uh, much of this work was done with moms as the primary caregiver. That's just kind of how it's been. Um, but it's important for dads to also practice it as well. And so I'd like to share with you three ways on how dads can use attachment theory to cultivate strong relationships with your with your baby girls. Stay tuned. Hey, we're back to the podcast. I'm talking about attachment theory. We uh, touched upon some of the history and some of the benefits of it. And so now I want to give some insight onto uh, the how-tos for dads to increase attachment with their daughters. My experience with these uh, three, three very simple things that you could do uh, has resulted in, a, in cultivating a positive and loving relationship with my girls. And helping them feel that the world that they're in and, and my presence in their life is positive and, uh, and has made our relationship a lot stronger. All right. So jumping on it. First thing, when you first connect with your daughter at the beginning of the day, uh, when you pick her up from school, when you pick her up from anywhere, really, make time to connect with her. What does, what does that look like to connect with her? Um, Hug, uh, a simple hug, a kiss. Um, hey, it's great to see you. Kind, gentle words. Let her know that you missed her, uh, and that you're happy to see her. Could be the first thing in the morning. Um, could be at any point in time. But that making time to specifically reconnect, um, it it paves a 
a positive relationship for the future, for the immediate future anyways. For me, what this looks like is that when I pick my girls up from daycare or school, um, and, and as soon as we get home, um, we'll, sit down, we'll sit down on the couch and they'll sit on my lap or they'll sit next to them and there's a hug and there's a kiss, there's an I love you. And we take, usually it's about three to five minutes just doing that. A few tickles here and there, a few jokes, laughing together. Um, just creating a connection, a positive connection. It also happens at school. When I pick them up, when I'm at the daycare or at school, uh, there's a hug and there's, you know, I say, hey, it's good to see you. It's nice to see you. It goes miles on building their self-esteem. It makes them feel important. It makes them feel that you feel that they're important. The, the, ben- the self-esteem benefit is absolutely irreplaceable. The other benefit that I didn't find out until after I started doing this for about a, a couple of weeks is that once you start with that connection and during your time together, uh, there's some difficulty later on, the fact that you took the time to connect helps to smooth over the emotions, the negative emotions. And there have been times where after we've had our connection, our night goes on, uh, myself and my older daughter have been to a, a bit of a tiff about what she wants to do or what she doesn't want to do. Um, and then when she starts acting out of line, not to the point where she needs to be disciplined, but when there's, be, be, when there's this difficulty between us... Um, I can always go back and remind her and say, hey, just, just to remind you, you know, I love you very much. And I'd rather we find a way. Is there a way that we can find to that's that's gentle and that we can get through this? I know this is what you want. I, I, I hear you. And uh, I need you to understand that the, there's something that I want to. How can we find a way through this? Because I love you. And the fact that, that our experience together started off with a, with a loving connection that helps us navigate through um, all the bumps and, and, and undulations that happen with any with any good relationship. So that's the first thing. Make the time right in the beginning to make that connection. A couple minutes as soon as you see her, uh, or as soon as you have as soon as you have a chance, you get home. Um, a hug, kiss, love. Uh, let her know that you love her and that you missed her and that uh, and that she's special to you. And that paves the way for your immediate future. All right, that's the first thing. Second thing, emotional needs. Your daughter's got emotional needs. Um, all children do, in fact. Your job as dad to your daughter is to hone in on what those emotional needs are and respond to them as quickly as possible. Securely attached children, going back to Ainsworth's, Ainsworth's work, she found that parents that responded more quickly to the emotional needs of their child were the ones that were securely attached. Okay, so what does this look like? Um, it, it means showing interest in your daughter before being prompted. Seek her attention. Um, I've taken my kid to a playground um, a couple times, and if I haven't seen her for a few minutes in the beginning... Uh, I'll, I'll just look for her and when I see her I'll just say hey Spina and I look at her and I smile and I just wave at her and that's it I'm seeking out her attention um, when she's got a need when she's hungry hey what do you want to eat uh, if she says that she's hungry responding to what she wants to eat uh, if I catch her now being aware if I catch her looking for me looking at me making sure that I'm able to connect eyes with her 
um, when communicating with your daughter too, showing the white of your smile and the and uh, the whites of your eyes, giving her your full attention makes her feel validated. It makes her feel special. It makes her feel like you're interested in her and you want her to you want your daughter to feel that you are interested in her um, so that she doesn't seek it anywhere else. You are you are her hero. You're the first man in her life. And that should be uh, try to make that as special a relationship as possible. All right, so that's number two, responding to her emotional needs quickly. The third thing, all right, in times of difficulty, and there are always times of difficulty, it's it's just a part of any healthy relationship, you got to let her know, uh, either verbally or through body language, that you want to listen to her and do so without interrupting her. If she's got an issue uh, with her sibling or with a friend or with what she's eating, um, in your mind, you might think to yourself, wow, I can't even believe she's complaining about this. I mean, I just bought her this, or we just did that, and this is a problem. Reserve it. doesn't have a place in that moment. Your daughter's coming from a place of emotion. Give her the space to be able to talk about what's difficult for her. Um, this is important when they're young because you create uh, a safe place for them to talk about how they feel. By doing so when they're young, when they get older, you want them to come to you and say, I failed math, or I got a problem with somebody at school, or any, any type of the, the difficulties that, they'll, that older children will have. You want to create a place and a space for your daughter to come to you and talk to you about those things. You won't get that if you shut her down or if you interrupt her or you make your agenda more important than hers. I'm not saying that everything that she feels is going to be correct. God only knows um, that there is some element of correction that has to happen. And infuse yourself as a parent only after your baby girl has been able to express how she feels. Um, when she feels your heart, when she feels that you care about how she feels, um, then she'll want to open up to you as, as time goes on. And that's that could save her as well. As, as life happens, as she goes on her own journey through life. So those are the three things. Just to recap, make the first thing, making time to connect uh, with her. Um, that's something that you got to do. You have to make that, those, take those five minutes when you see her or when you come home uh, for hugs and kisses and remind her how much you love her and that you miss her. The second thing is respond as quickly as you can. Be attentive to her emotional needs. If she wants something to eat or if she wants a hug or she's seeing that if you see that she's a little sad, don't be afraid. Go in there and wrap your arms around her and just say, hey, by the way, um, I love you. Third thing, uh, in times of difficulty, make sure that you are giving her your attention. Don't be texting. Don't be writing stuff down, typing things in on your phone. Uh, don't be, you know, don't be distracted by the TV or anything like that. Um, give her, give her the whites of your eyes and the whites of your teeth, uh, for smiles. Let her know that you're paying attention to her and that what she says and how she feels is important. Those three simple things, please try them out. You can try out all three, try out just one. And you'll find that the relationship, she'll have a different relationship with you. And she, what happened with me and my daughters is that they seek me out more, which is neat. Um, because they feel that they can come to me in times of difficulty. The other thing too is that by you, you pay it forward. 
So in the beginning, when I started practicing these three different elements, um, I would seek out their attention. Hey, how are you doing over there? Without being prompted. And the more that I did that, what I noticed is that the more it liberated them to go out and explore their world. But I had that secure base. I guess this is probably why I take my guitar and, and play at the park. I Man, I, I wanted to play guitar really badly, and trust me, I play guitar pretty badly. Um, however, what I found was that the more they felt, the more I created a strong connection uh, with attaching to them, the more they went out and tried new things, took new risks. My younger daughter, she started doing more climbing and climbing on the outside of the playground uh, as opposed to just climbing on the inside. And, you know, I would pay her attention to her, what she was doing, and then she ended up calling me over to say, hey, Daddy, watch me climb this. And I'd say, all right, I'm going to be here just in case you fall. Um, and then now she starts doing it on her own. And then when she gets to the top, she'll look over and she'll wave at me. And, and that's how I know that we've got this relationship built upon her feeling secure. And the only reason we have that is because I decided to... Uh, to do these three things and to increase the amount of attachment that I've got with my daughters. Anyways, that's attachment theory in a nutshell for dads. Uh, my version of it anyways. In speaking with other listeners and friends, one question came in. Here's how it goes. What are good extracurricular or fun activities to do with my four-year-old daughter? A great question. Anyone with a four-year-old daughter will know that trying to plan extracurricular or fun activities with them can be a challenge. Here's my take on it. It's through extracurricular activities that kids and parents grow their attachment. It's a great way for you, the dad, to learn about your little girl and also for your little girl to learn a bit about you. First step, plan it out. For young kids, kids that don't have homework, those activities should be planned regularly. A lot of communities have public playgrounds, they have splash pads, and even local malls nowadays have these, these play areas, these playground areas that are amazing to kids. Use it as positive reinforcement for things like finishing dinner, eating their vegetables, cleaning up your toys, all those kinds of things. And at the same time, have a backup plan. You never know what can happen. So if going to, the, going to the mall or going to the playground can't happen for whatever reason, always have a plan B. That's the first step. Plan it out. And, and make sure it happens regularly. All right. Second step. Tell your little girl the schedule. Let her know that here's what we're going to do today. After you pick her up from school or daycare, let her know we're going to have her dinner. We're going to finish her dinner. And we'll head to the park, have a bath, have a nice snack, read a book, and then have a great sleep. Let her know what to expect in the next few hours so that she's not surprised when you have to pull the plug on the park. And there are ways of pulling the plug on the park that'll make her not feel the loss of that good time. Thirdly, keep your word and follow through with it. She needs to know that she can trust you, especially for things that make her feel good. You want to make your daughter feel good. Even if the plan has got to change, you never know. Your car could break down. Um, it could rain. There could be any other, any number of reasons or any other things that could happen that could prevent you from following through with going out and doing this extracurricular or fun activity. 
let her know what uh, let her know if, if it so happens that it doesn't that you can't go to the park so your car breaks down or you can't you can't go out because it's pouring rain let her know how you feel about it and uh, show compassion to her feelings if you model the compassion and she's disappointed I guarantee it eventually she'll return that compassion to you and to others and this is what you want it's through modeling compassion compassion and patience to your daughter that she will she will return that by being a, a patient and compassionate parent you'll raise patient and compassionate kids fourth step and last have fun you know i looked at uh, i looked through a few of the parenting books that i've got uh, and they're 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 numerous and when i looked up f the end of f i didn't find a section on fun and I was, i'll be honest i was a little disappointed in that there wasn't anything about these parenting books on dads and daughters, on how to communicate with your kids and how to attach with them, blah, 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 blah. Uh, there wasn't the section on fun. And it's so important. It's so important to embody that and some, it's so important to have fun with your daughter. So in order to do that, what I did is, is that when we're out doing an extracurricular activity, I'll make sure I connect with them. By either calling their name, waving my hand, hey, how's it going? And then they look over and they see me interested in them. So smile a lot, call her name out, uh, just ra- at random times. Don't don't do it every minute, but I mean, give her a chance to do her thing. But when there's enough time that's gone by, give let her know that you're interested and that, that you want to connect with her and that you're present. It'll do wonders for her her self esteem. And it'll make fun time important. If you can cultivate that at four years old, then as she gets into school at five and six and seven and she's getting homework, and you've built in fun time, this regular fun time with them, then fun time now becomes a positive reinforcement, not just for finishing their vegetables or finishing their dinner or or following the schedule, but it also becomes a reinforcement for finishing their homework. And... That becomes crucial. If they can get, if they can feel good after doing what they're responsible for, it helps build your attachment with them as well and it helps them complete what they've got to do. This has worked wonders for me. Yeah, yeah, we can go to the park, just make sure you finish your math or finish your whatever. And you'll be surprised at how quickly they get on it. Yeah, they'll need help. Help them out. And then as soon as they're done, they've finished their responsibilities, give them a kudos for that, and then you're off to the park, or you're off to the mall, or you're off to doing something that they would enjoy. Hope this helps, and uh, if you're listening, let me know how this goes, and if this approach works. That's it for the podcast for this week. Uh, There'll be a podcast shortly coming out that's going to be on discipline. Ooh, the D dirty word. Well, I'm going to dive right into that one. I'm going to give you lots of details. That, in fact, is going to be a two-part podcast because it is such an important topic, especially for a dad and especially for a daughter. It's uh, there are a number of different approaches out there. You can there are tons of books out there. What I've been doing so far, I want to share it with you, and I hope it's going to help you develop. Um, develop an approach on discipline that's going to be beneficial for your daughters. 
Once again, this is Marvin Ali, and thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.